Hello and welcome to episode 790 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. It is my pleasure to be with you this morning. My name is Terrence M. Stanton. We are recording on Wednesday, January 31st, 2024, in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ. Once again, a very Merry Christmas to you. Let us begin with St. Alphonsus Liguri's Wednesday prayer. To the most blessed Virgin Mary to obtain deliverance from hell. My most beloved lady, I thank thee for having delivered me from hell as many times as I have deserved it by my sins. Miserable creature that I was, I was once condemned to that prison, and perhaps already, after the first sin, the sentence would have been put into execution. If thou and thy compassion hadst not helped me, thou, without even being asked by me, and only in thy goodness, didst restrain divine justice, and then, conquering my obduracy, thou didst draw me to have confidence in thee. Oh, and to how many other sins should I have afterwards fallen, in the dangers in which I have been? Hadst not thou, my loving mother, preserved me by the graces which thou didst obtain for me? Ah, my queen, continue to guard me from hell. For what will thy mercy, and the favors which thou hast shown me, avail me if I am lost? If I did not always love thee, now at least, after God, I love thee above all things. Never allow me to turn my back on thee and on God, who by thy means has granted me so many graces. My most amiable lady, never allow me to have the misfortune to hate thee and curse thee for all eternity in hell. Wilt thou endure to see a servant of thine who loves thee lost? O Mary, what sayest thou? I shall be lost if I abandon thee, but who can evermore have the heart to leave thee? How can I ever forget the love thou hast borne me? My lady, since thou hast done so much to save me, complete the work, continue thy aid. Wilt thou help me? But what do I say? If at a time when I live forgetful of thee, thou didst favor me so much, how much more may I not hope for now that I love thee and recommend myself to thee? No, he can never be lost who recommends himself to thee. He alone is lost who has not recourse to thee. Ah, my mother, leave me not in my own hands, for I should then be lost. Grant that I may always have recourse to thee. Save me, my hope. Save me from hell, but in the first place save me from sin, which alone can condemn me to it. Today, friends, we're going to take a look at a Septuagesima overview from fisheaters.com and then get caught up on some readings and meditations for Lent from St. Thomas Aquinas, today being Wednesday of Septuagesima. So the theme for Septuagesima, Babylonian captivity, man's fallen state, color, purple, mood, penance, symbols, Chains, Tears, Jeremiah, Length, from Septuagesima Sunday, which we just had a few days ago, to Shrove Tuesday. And the author at Fish Eaters begins by saying, Septuagesima, also known as Jessima Tide, and Lent are both times of penance. Septuagesima being a time of voluntary fasting in preparation for the obligatory Great Fast of Lent. So connected are Septuagesima and Lent that the former is sometimes called colloquially pre-Lent. The theme of this season is the Babylonian exile, the mortal coil we must endure as we await the heavenly Jerusalem. Sobriety and somberness reign liturgically. The Alleluia and Gloria are banished. The Sundays of Septuagesima are named for their distance from Easter. Excuse me, their distance away from Easter. The first Sunday of Septuagesima gives its name to the entire season as it is known as Septuagesima. 
Septuagesima means 70, and Septuagesima Sunday comes roughly 70 days before Easter. This 70 represents the 70 years of the Babylonian captivity. It is on this Sunday that the Alleluia is put away, not to be said again until the vigil of Easter. The second Sunday of Septuagesima is known as Sexagesima, which means 60. Sexagesima Sunday comes roughly 60 days before Easter. The third Sunday of Septuagesima is known as Quinquagesima, which means 50, and which comes roughly 50 days before Easter. Quadrigesima means 40, and this is the name of the first Sunday of Lent and the Latin name for the entire season of Lent, the next season. Each of those Sundays of Septuagesima focuses on a different Old Testament patriarch. Septuagesima Sunday, Adam. Sexagesima Sunday, Noah. Quinquagesima Sunday, Abraham. Throughout this short season and that of Lent, you will notice a deepening sense of penance and somberness, culminating in Passion Tide, the last two weeks of Lent, that will suddenly and joyously end at the vigil of Easter on Holy Saturday when the Alleluia returns and Christ's body is restored and glorified. The station churches of the three Sundays of Septuagesima, Septuagesima, San Lorenzo Fiore Lemura, Sexagesima, San Paolo Fiore Lemura, and Quinquagesima, San Pietro in Vaticano. Finally, you may be interested in reading St. Thomas Aquinas' Meditations for Lent, which has a reading for every day from Septuagesima Sunday to the end of Lent. You can find it in this site's Catholic Library. So that's what we're going to do now, and we're going to get caught up. Many thanks to fisheaters.com for this excellent resource. She has so many excellent resources at her site. I believe she has still chosen to remain anonymous, but may God richly bless her for her works. So we'll get caught up on the few days of uh, meditations that we've missed thus far, today being Wednesday, January 31st, as I'm recording this. So once again, this is Meditations and Readings for Lent from the Angelic Doctor, St. Thomas Aquinas, beginning with Septuagesima Sunday, the work of the vineyard. Going out about the third hour, he saw others standing in the marketplace idle, and he said to them, Go, you also, into my vineyard, and I will give you what shall be just. Matthew 20, verse 3. In these words, we may notice four things. One, the goodness of the Lord, going out, that is, for his people's salvation. For that Christ should go out to lead men into the vineyard of justice was indeed an act of infinite goodness. Our Lord is five times said to have gone out. He went out in the beginning of the world as a sower to sow his creatures. The sower went out to sow his seed. <clears throat> then in his nativity to enlighten the world until her just one come forth as brightness. Isaiah 62 verse 1. In his passion to save his own from the power of the devil and from all evil. My just one is near at hand. My savior is gone forth. Isaiah 55 verse 5. It might take me a moment, by the way, because the uh, verses are written and chapters are written in Roman numerals. He goes out like the father of a family, caring for his children and his goods. The kingdom of heaven is like to a householder who went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. Matthew 20 verse 1. Finally, he goes out to judgment. 
to make most strict inquiry after the wicked, like some overseer to beat down rebels, like some mighty fighter, and like a judge to punish as they merit criminals and malefactors. Two, the foolishness of men. For nothing is more foolish than that in this present life where men ought so to work that they may live eternally, men should live in idleness. He found them in the marketplace idle. That marketplace is this, our present life. For it is in the marketplace that men quarrel and buy and sell. And so the marketplace stands for our life of every day. Full of affairs, of buying and selling, in which also the prospects of grace and heavenly glory are sold in exchange for good works. These laborers were called idle because they had already let slip a part of their life. And not evildoers alone are called idle, but also those who do not do good. And as the idle never attain their end, so will it be with these. The end of man is life eternal. He therefore who works in the proper way will possess that life if he is not an idler. It is great folly to live in idleness in this life. Because from idleness as from an evil teacher, we learn evil knowledge. Because through idleness, we come to lose the good that lasts forever. Because through the short idleness of this life, we incur a labor that is eternal. Three, the necessity of working in the vineyard of the Lord. Go you also into my vineyard. The vineyard into which the men are sent to work is the life of goodness, in which there are as many trees as there are virtues. We are to work in this vineyard in five ways, planting in it good works and virtues, rooting up and destroying the thorns, that is, our vices, cutting down the superfluous branches. Every branch in me that beareth fruit, he will purge it that it may bring forth more fruit. John fifteen two. Keeping off the little foxes, that is, the devils, and guarding it from the thieves, that is, keeping ourselves indifferent to the praise and the blame of mankind. 4. The usefulness of labor. The wage of those who labor in the vineyard is a penny that outvalues thousands of silver crowns. And this is what we are told in Holy Scripture. The peaceable had a vineyard. Every man bringeth for the fruit thereof a thousand pieces of silver. Canticles 8 verse 11. The thousand crowns are the thousand joys of eternity, and these are signified by the penny. And now for the reading of Monday after Septuagesima and commentary from St. Thomas Aquinas. On doing good. In doing good, let us not fail, for in due time we shall reap not failing. Galatians 11, verse 9. In these words, St. Paul does three things. One, he warns us that we must do good, for to do good is a duty seeing that all things, by their nature, teach us to do good. They so teach us because they are themselves good, and God saw all the things that he had made. And they were very good. Genesis 1, 1. Excuse me, Genesis 1, 31. Sinners have ample cause to make them blush in the multitude of created things, all of them good, while sinners themselves are evil. Because all things by their nature do good. For every creature gives itself, and this is a sign of their own goodness and of the goodness of their creator. Dennis says, God is goodness something which must diffuse itself. St. Augustine says, 
It is a great sign of the divine goodness that every creature is compelled to give itself. Because all things, by their nature, desire what is good and tend to the good, the good is, in fact, that for which everything longs. Two, St. Paul warns us that in doing good, we fail not. There are three things which most of us all cause a man to persevere in doing good. Roman numeral one, assiduous and wholehearted prayer for help from God, lest we yield when we are tempted. Watch ye and pray that ye enter not into temptation, Matthew 26, 41. Roman numeral two, unceasing fearfulness. As soon as a man feels confident he is safe, he begins to fail in doing good. Unless thou hold thyself diligently in the fear of the Lord, thy house shall quickly be overthrown. Ecclesiasticus 27 verse 4. Fear of the Lord is the guardian of life. Without it speedily indeed and suddenly is the house thrown down. That is to say, a dwelling place that is of this world. Roman numeral 3. Avoidance of venial sins, for venial sins are the occasion of mortal sin and often undermine the achievement of good works. St. Augustine says, Thou hast avoided dangers that are great. Beware, lest thou fall victim to the sand. Number three, St. Paul offers a reward that is fitting, is generous, and is everlasting. For in due time we shall reap not failing. Fitting in due time, that is, at a fitting time, at the day of judgment, when each shall receive what he has accomplished. So the farmer receives the fruit of his sowing, not immediately, but in due time. The husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, patiently bearing till he receive the early and the latter rain. James 5, verse 7. Generous, we shall reap. Here it is the copiousness of the reward that is indicated. With the harvest and reaping, we associate abundance. He who soweth in blessings shall also reap blessings, 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Your reward is very great in heaven, Matthew 5, 12. Sermon for the 15th Sunday after Pentecost. Everlasting. We shall reap, not failing. We ought then to do good, not for an hour merely, but always and continually. In doing good, let us not fail. That is to say, let us not fail in working, for we shall not fail in reaping. Whatsoever thy hand is able to do, do it earnestly. Ecclesiastes 9 verse 10. And right it is not in, to fail in working, for the reward to which we are looking is everlasting and unfailing. Whence, St. Augustine says, If man will set no limit to his labor, God will set no limit to the reward. Now for the reading and meditation for the Tuesday after Septuagesima. The prayer of our Lord in the garden. One, and going a little further, he fell upon his face, praying and saying, my father, Matthew twenty six thirty nine. Our Lord here recommends to us three conditions to be observed when we pray. One, solitude, because going a little further, He separated himself even from those whom he had chosen. When thou shalt pray, enter into thy chamber, and having shut the door, pray to thy father in secret. Matthew 6.6 But notice he went not far away, but a little, 
that he might show that he is not far from those who call upon him, and also that they might see him praying and learn to pray in like fashion. 2. Humility. He fell upon his face, giving thereby an example of humility. This because humility is necessary for prayer, and because Peter had said, Yea, though I should die with thee, I will not deny thee. Matthew twenty six thirty five. Therefore did our Lord fall, to show us we should not trust in our own strength. 3. Devotion. When he said, My Father, it is essential that when we pray, we pray from devotion. He says, My Father, because he is uniquely God's Son. We are God's children by adoption only, in Matthew 26. 2. If it be possible, let this chalice pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt, Matthew 26.39. Here we consider the tenor of prayer. Christ was praying according to the prompting of his sense nature, insofar, that is, as his prayer, as advocate for his senses, was expressing the inclinations of his senses, proposing to God by prayer what the desire of his senses suggested. And he did this that he might teach us three things. One, that he had taken a true human nature with all its natural inclinations. Two, that it is lawful for man to will according to his natural inclination, a thing which God does not will. Three, that man ought to subject his own inclination to the divine will. Whence, St. Augustine says, Christ, living as a man, showed a certain private human willingness when he said, let this chalice pass from me. This was human willingness, a man's own will, and, so to say, his private desire. But Christ, since he wills to be a man of right heart, a man directed to God, adds, Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And in this he teaches by example how we should arrange our inclinations so that they do not come into conflict with the divine rule. Whence, we learn that there is nothing wrong and are shrinking from what is naturally grievous, so long as we bring our motion into line with the divine will. Christ had two wills, one from his Father insofar as he was God, and the other insofar as he was man. This human will he submitted in all things to his Father, giving us in this an example to do likewise. I came down from heaven, not to do my will, but the will of him that sent me. John six thirty eight. And now for today's reading and commentary as I'm recording this, the Wednesday after Septuagesima. Good works. It begins with 1 Corinthians 3, verses 12 and 13. If any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be manifest. One. The works that man relies on in matters spiritual and divine are compared to gold, silver, and precious stones, things substantial, brilliant, and precious. Yet they are compared in such a way that gold symbolizes those things by which man tends to God himself by contemplation and love. I counsel thee to buy of me gold fire tried, Apocalypse three eighteen, that is, wisdom with charity. By silver, are meant those acts by which man clings to the spiritual realities he must believe, love, and contemplate. Whence in the glossa silver is interpreted 
as referring to love of one's neighbor. By precious stones is to be understood the work of the different virtues with which man's soul is decked. Those human activities, on the other hand, by means of which man acquires material goods, are compared to stubble or chaff, worthless rubbish, glittering and easily burnt. There are, however, grades in this rubbish, some things being more stable than others, some things more easily consumed than the rest. Men themselves, for example, are more worthy than other carnal things, and by succession humanity escapes destruction. Men are hence compared to wood. Man's flesh, however, is easily corrupted by sickness and by death, whence it is compared to hay. All things which make for the glory of such a being speedily come to naught, whence they are compared to chaff or stubble. To build with gold, silver, and precious stones is therefore to build upon the foundation of faith, something related to the contemplation of the wisdom of divine things, to the love of God, to a following of the saints, to the service of one's neighbor, and to the exercise of virtues. To build with wood, hay, and chaff is to build according to plants that are no more than human for the convenience of the body and for outward show. Two, that men occupy themselves with purely human things may come about in three ways. One, they may place the whole ultimate purpose of their life in the satisfaction of bodily needs. Now, to do this is a mortal sin, and therefore, in this way, a man does not so much build as destroy the foundation and lay another of a different kind. For the end or ultimate purpose is the foundation in all that relates to desires. Two, they may, in using purely corporal things, have nothing else in view but the glory of God. In this case, they are not building with wood, hay, and chaff, but with gold, silver, and precious stones. Three, although they do not place in purely corporal things the ultimate purpose of life, nor, because of them, will to act against God, they are more influenced by these things than they ought to be. The result is that they are thereby held back somewhat from a care for the things that are God's, unless they sin venially. And it is this which is really meant by the phrase about building with wood, hay, and chaff. Because activities that relate merely to the care of earthly goods have about them something of a venial fault, since they provoke provoke a love of earthly things that is greater than it should be. It is, in fact, this love, which, according to the degree of its tenacity, is compared to wood, to hay, and to chaff. And so ends the meditation for the Wednesday after Septuagesima. So many thanks to fisheaters.com for those meditations in regards to Septuagesima and, of course, St. Thomas Aquinas himself. St. Thomas Aquinas, pray for us. Let us conclude, friends, by once again mentioning Helping Autism through Learning and Outreach, available on the web at halo-soma.org. That's H-A-L-O hyphen S-O-M-A dot org. Also, please tune into episodes 277 and 548 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast for more information pertaining to RPM. That is an acronym for Rapid Prompting Method, a system of communication for non-speakers. Before my niece was about eight years old, we didn't even know her favorite color. Now we know that she is a comprehensive genius who can compose 
music, poetry, is very skilled in regards to mathematics. She even knows foreign languages all through God's grace, her hard work, that of her family breaking through to open communication via rapid prompting method. It has been as massive a breakthrough for non-speakers as sign language has been for the deaf, or you can also point to the blind having braille in terms of their being able to read. Imagine how sad and frustrated you would be if you were unable to communicate. Communication is a human right, and we need to get this information to as many people as possible. And if you don't know any non-speakers, you probably will at some point in your life. And I can tell you that they are some of the most kind, compassionate, and intelligent folk you could ever meet. So may God richly bless you for your endeavors on getting that information out there. And thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. Please say an Ave Maria for yours truly, and I will talk to you again very soon. Goodbye, and God love you.